gosh, the sun is shining, spring is springing, and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We're trying to help. We're doing the best we can, getting in your ear holes, entertaining you, talking to you for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness. Because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our sponsor this week, Squarespace. Squarespace! Squarespace brings the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who respects our audience too much for any April Fool's tricks, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Yeah, this is an April Fool's free zone. I do want to say, though, to all of our listeners who are listening somewhere where it's cold and raining, um, I apologize for Jeff um, just being so rude at the beginning of the show. 80 degrees at my house. 80 degrees. <laughs> it is just in the pool right now. He's in a big donut uh, floaty. You know what? It's dangerous and very difficult to set up podcasting equipment in the pool, but worth. 100% <laughs> worth. Uh, <laughs> Christian, um, what, a, what an insane week. We, this, is, this is an insane week of news. I mean, literally the moment we stopped recording last week's episode – giant news was dropping we even said it last week we're like it's happening all around us uh there's so much to talk about that i think we'll probably have to do a double length news segment double length story of the week segment because it's just so much we don't want to give short shrift to any of it but the good news christian is that we have Oh, and I should say, as as we mentioned a couple of times, I should what say. What a tease. What a tease, man. I should say, we have, there will be no fake stories. I, I am one of these people that have, I've just gotten completely over the April Fool's thing. There's some charm to to fun fake stories. We're not going to do that. Everything we're going to talk about is real. We're not going to, this episode comes out on April Fool's Day. But as you said, it's a safe zone. I just There's no fun in fooling people anymore. It's become, the internet has become just overwrought with it. And I... So don't worry about that. But there was only one guest that I could think of that uh, we would want to have to talk about this amount of news and also would do it at the last minute. Because you know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, once again, DLC stands for dependable last minute co-host because our go-to guy... Our friend, one of my favorite guests, uh, the most common guest on our show, almost uh, almost a third member of the team. And he's stalling Anthony. right now because he's texting him right now trying to set <laughs> trying this Trying to up. get him on. It's so last minute. <laughs> it's Anthony Taramina from GameRant.com. Welcome back, Anthony. How are you, friend? I am good. Uh, I'm going to need at least 30 minutes to re-prepare because uh, you didn't tell me about the April Fool's and I <laughs> I need to put away so many props. <laughs> I'm not put, no, I'm I'm excited to be here. April first is actually my wedding anniversary. If that's oh. uh, it's pretty awesome to have that. Wait, that I'll was never real. The the wedding it was real. 
I was there and I thought it was a joke the whole time. I was like, there's no way he's going through with this. This is hysterical. <laughs> Christian, you left halfway through. I'm going to call you out because you made no, jokes. No, no. Two thirds. I was there <laughs> for the whole wedding. I two left thirds. two thirds through. I never even got to hug you. Wow. No, we did it. You did a shoulder pat though. You're too pop. If you've been to a wedding, you know, the bride and groom, you were on your cruise buys and you cruised by the table. You did the shoulder pat. I said, hello, said hello. And then you kept cruising. And then I was like, okay, I said, hello. And then I left. Fair enough. I had to do a podcast. Yeah, you know, this yeah. is uh, this is not the place to rejudicate this uh, this, this <laughs> tiff. I'm sorry. I you shouldn't crazy. have mentioned April Fools. Well, I, happy anniversary is what I want to say. Oh, thank you, thank you. you. Yes, uh, let's uh, let's start talking because, like I said, there are so many big, big, huge news stories to talk about. So let's get right into it and start with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or by visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com where uh, folks hang out, talk about the show, talk about video games. I encourage you to take a dip into the lovely waters. That is our subreddit. Uh, Anthony, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. And man, I don't know how you even pick this week. What is your story of the week? Uh, it's it's tough, I will admit. Uh, and I'm also going to try and lead. I, I'm going to let you and Christian, because I kind of know, I feel like I know what you guys want to talk about. So I want to talk about Borderlands 3. Yeah, baby. Borderlands 3, it's real. It's, it's happening. Real. Wait, it you, was... can't, you can't just say Borderlands 3. Anthony, you got to do at least a 15-minute magic trick. Like, we've got, oh. we've got standards <laughs> on this show. You can't mention Borderlands 3 until we read an instruction book or something. Man, we are not like, prepared. I, I would like to talk. talk. <laughs> we're gonna oh run the God. video again we're gonna run the video again anthony and you can reintroduce it don't you, you just go to our youtube just watch it in in the right format i would guess a lot of people listening to this have no context for that because i'm sure the majority of the people that heard about borderlands 3 heard about it because a website like gamerant.com for example uh, talked about it posted a video that is perfectly watchable and fine but those of us that watched the reveal live from PAX East, where the Gearbox panel was the place where they revealed Borderlands 3, as well as a, a bunch of other information about the Borderlands franchise. Yeah, some um, other games too. Yeah, um, but it was it was uh, pretty rough going, that announcement. Uh, it, it, people won't really remember that, I think, in the long stretch because they put out the video. You can just watch the video. You can hear that it's coming. Who really cares? But... Woo, it was a rough rollout with a, yes. a video that stuttered and couldn't play and, and a long protracted lead up that was full of just sort of it felt like padding out time. They brought people on stage and uh, yeah, it was a thing. But we did get the trailer for Borderlands 3 as well as a bunch of other th stuff. So what do you what do you think, Anthony? Uh, it looks like Borderlands. I mean, I, <laughs> I was actually a little surprised for uh, the amount of time that's been in between like the mainline games and the teasing and stuff, I was somewhat expecting them to do something different, not like, you know, markedly different, but it just seems like borderlands three. I, I, there were rumors it's going to be called border world and it's going to be mm. MMO. Like it's going to be, I mean, the, some of that stuff could be true. We we've only seen a trailer, but 
at the same time, there, you know, it, it's been a while, so why not just give people another one of those games? Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, it, I think uh, it certainly visually looks like the next step of that art style that Borderlands is so known for, that cel-shaded look. They've, they've kind of refined that. We saw a, a tease of, of that uh, a couple of years ago. I got last year or the year before at GDC, I think they showed the, how the engine was going to work in it. I think the trailer shows it off really well, and it's a really pretty-looking game in that style. Still very cartoony, but... Um, vibrant and and detailed um and yeah i mean i i too felt a tinge of um i don't disappointment is the wrong word but just uh maybe a little sad surprise that there wasn't more different about what they're doing they really are just kind of doubling down on what makes borderlands great and i guess that's enough i guess that's enough christian do you think that's enough i i wonder if all those other rumors were things that <clears throat> excuse me, were things that were real or prototyped and then scrapped for various reasons where it's like, it has been a long time. And you'd think that if this is what they were making, it wouldn't necessarily have been this long unless, you know, Gearbox had other projects in between too. And I don't think they expected many of them to go the way they did. Um, but this feels safe to me. But also if, if Borderlands was one of my favorite franchises, I like it. It's not, you know, one of my favorite, but if it was one of my all-time favorite franchises, and they were like, hey, Uncharted 5. And everyone was like, it looks like Uncharted 4. I'd be like, yes, please, right? Like, So I totally understand how, to some people, the safe approach feels a little disappointing. But I think if you're a big fan of the series, seeing all of that loot come out, the little snippets of things that are different that they did show, the cityscape, um, it looks like the vehicles might be have you know have a few unique things up their sleeves, so to speak. They kept so using I, the, the word worlds, plural. As yes. if you will be visiting multiple worlds. And yeah, one of them looked uh, not like a borderland, not like a, a yeah. you know, a cobbled like together. Lands. <laughs> yeah, it looked like a, a thriving future city, which I think that's kind of exciting. I don't, they really didn't show much of that, but they kind of gave us a quick hint of it. Yeah, and they so didn't maybe, give us a date. Be- they have a lot of other borderland stuff coming out. Maybe as you're listening to this, <laughs> you know, it's already out, uh, remastering of old stuff and stuff. So, I think there's going to be time. I think we'll see more. And again, I think they're taking the safe approach, but also probably going to make one hell of a game because Borderlands 2 is still kind of the go-to game for what a looter shooter should be, right? So it's hard to be disappointed with if if they end up making one of the all-time best again. Yeah, and you know, it looks like they're doubling down on um, on co-op. Um, it showed a bunch of characters that people uh, new and old. There are a bunch of new characters, a bunch of returning characters. They showed the villains. Um, so, I mean, there's still lots to learn about how the game will go. They, the, the, the phrase a billion guns was plastered against the screen. So, you know, it's still going to have the signature Borderlands stuff. Um any other any other thoughts, Anthony, about this one? I guess we're all just kind of looking forward to hearing more. And maybe by the time people hear this, we will know more. I guess there's going to be more on April 3rd. We'll, yeah, we'll April more. 3rd, yeah. they said that um, we'll get a release date at the very least. Um, I yeah. imagine we'll see people play it. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to playing it. I'm, I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm not interested in playing this game. I really enjoyed Borderlands 2. It was so long ago. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm in the same camp as you as in that I was a little surprised that 
it look it because it it is a last gen game and here is the you know the current generation version of this series and it just kind of looked like borderlands yeah yeah well one of the things they specifically said it will not be right at the top randy pitchford came out and said uh it will not be a battle royale so we know that mode won't be in the game um which i guess it it, it it received a huge applause from the audience. So I guess people are sick of their franchises getting a battle Royale mode, although it seems like people want to play them. So I don't know if it's a weird place to be in as an audience, um, because I bet if they had announced it, people would have cheered too. So who knows? Uh, but uh, we don't really know what other modes are potentially going to have, but we'll, we'll know more soon. The other stuff, we should enumerate the other things that were brought up on stage at the gearbox uh, panel at PAX East as Christian kind of referenced, uh, there will be some re-releases and remasters. A 4K remastered version of the original Borderlands is coming to console and PC. It's going to be called Borderlands Game of the Year Edition. It's coming out next week, and they're bumping up not only uh, they're not, not only bumping up the res of the uh, textures and the and the visuals. It's going to have 4K. It's going to support HDR on PlayStation 4 Pro and Xbox One X. But it will also be expanding to not only two-player co-op, but four-player co-op, and evidently four-player local co-op via split screen. So that's kind of cool. They're also bringing all of the DLC packs, the four rather hefty DLC packs from Borderlands 2 to Borderlands 2 VR, which is cool that they're continuing to support that product over on PSVR. It already got um, an, an AIM controller uh, patch, which somehow I missed, and I'm super excited to jump in and play it again with the aim controller. Um, and also, uh, there will be HD texture packs, ultra HD texture packs for all of the other Borderlands that they've already, uh, re- you know, they're already backwards compatible and released on the current gen consoles. The, the pre sequel, the handsome collection, and Borderlands 2 are all getting ultra HD texture packs, which will be a free upgrade to PC, PS4 Pro, and Xbox One X owners. So, you know, lots of Borderlands. Lots of Borderlands. If you want to play Borderlands, you have a lot of Borderlands to play. <laughs> uh, Anthony, do you want to make a prediction as to what our uh, our release date's going to be? You think it'll be a fall game? Um, You know, at first I was kind of like, oh, maybe they'll release it immediately. But then they, then they were like, hey, the Borderlands... Uh, game of the year edition comes out very soon i'm i'm gonna say fall i mean there yeah. really isn't i mean at this point there really isn't a lot of competition around the fall you can assume a destiny something but there isn't like a, you know a call of duty something but there really isn't a lot of competition so at this point just stake your claim on a fall game and hope that other people get scared of you yeah yeah exciting uh we've been waiting for borderlands 3 for a long time so uh excited to find out more and and play it this year it sounds like christian spicer what is your story of the week uh both of those it's uh two switches two new switches (laughs) but but they don't switch potentially they're not switching switches Mm. that don't switch that's a switch uh, maybe they, they might still be dockable and maybe you can connect, uh, um, we talked about this as speculation. I think it was back when Tim Gettys was on, if I'm remembering correctly about the idea of a, you know, cheaper switch, a bundle around Pokemon, Sword Shield, that kind of thing. And now the Wall Street Journal is adding, um, fuel to that fire 
and coming out straight up saying still rumors speculation at this point but two new switches are coming one a switch pro not to be necessarily confused with the adding the power of a playstation 4 pro or an xbox one x but a switch geared more toward the you know, air quote, hardcore gamer. And, and then, to be clear, we, we don't know it's going to be called Switch Pro. That's not an actual name, but it's the idea is this is a skew geared toward more hardcore gamers, right? Correct, correct. Um, and then the other skew is kind of meant to step in where the 3DS was, you know, cheaper. The rumors are maybe the, the Joy-Con. The, the what? Where the 2DS was, right? any of the ds's <laughs> <laughs> i think the idea the is new, like what about the new 3ds xl is it going to replace that <laughs> yes <laughs> okay i need so, to know i have a lot of them i need to know what i'm replacing what i need I, to put in the garbage i see what you're saying jeff i <laughs> think we them. were i think we were talking around each other yes the way the 2ds is to the the way the new 2ds was to the 3ds it's the cheaper parsed down not quite feature parody version of the thing um i was equating this more toward trying to get people off the ds train and kind of into the switch ecosystem as the ds well not dead um is you know sunsetting so they're going to make that version of the switch that parents feel more comfortable buying for their kids the cheaper version that is handheld only the joy cons don't detach the true um, handheld version. Yeah, yeah, that's that's accurate. Yeah. Yeah, you can buy a dock and maybe still dock it if you want to and Joy-Cons can probably still connect via Bluetooth so you could play games like 1 2 Switch or whatever, but the unit itself likely won't have detachable Joy-Cons. And I think there's Wall Street Journal and Eurogamer started talking about these rumors and speculation. They all seem to be saying they're coming this year. Um I'm excited. I want to know what both of these are, right? Like if the pro version has uh, less or smaller bezels and like a bigger screen, maybe a better battery life. I think that's really exciting. Maybe if it can process, you know, docked mode style graphics and frame rate in handheld mode, I think that'd be a nice boost. I'm really excited about this air quote kid friendly one because my oldest daughter um, tries to bogart my switch a lot. <laughs> so if they can knock that out of the park, that'd be a, a great addition for our family. Like I, I like this style of iteration a lot, but I, I'm curious what you two think. Well, there's lots to dig in here uh, because um, it, it, again, we should say rumors, but usually when the rumor shows up in the wall street journal, it's a pretty solid bet that it's actually happening i don't know did you uh, that article about um, dlc ending this week it was in the wall street journal it said this was the last episode and i was like no i was just i was just glad for the coverage honestly i was oh, just to be to fair to sorry dang it i forget it's april Fool. that we're not doing just i'm just we're being not- dumb <laughs> i hate april, april fool's day i hate it it's the worst <laughs> um so let's like i said lots to dig into uh it does. I mean, I, first of all, I should say right at the top, credit where credit is due. Spicedradamus. This was a, I think, a, a 2019 prediction on your part, unless it was I mean, a 2017. Yeah. To be fair, I think it was a 2016, 2017. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know, uh, I think it sounds like Spicedradamus coming in, coming in hot. Um, but leave it to Nintendo; they did it before to call something the 3DS and then take the 3D out of it. Uh, so now they're calling the thing the switch and potentially taking the switching out of it. Uh, but I, you know, I like the idea of converging everything down to a single, single piece of hardware that works. If, if it's a handheld device, you, there's no reason for you to be selling a separate handheld device. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally happy with the 3DS being sunsetted. 
the Switch being the, the thing they make all their games for, having a 2DS kind of thing that's real robust and kid-proof and doesn't have a lot of moving parts and, you know, doesn't have thing, you know, uh, little uh, Joy-Cons that can come off and get lost really easily because Lord knows I've already lost one of mine. Um, but, uh, and I'm not a child on the outside. And so I, I like that idea of, of having this sort of kid version that it was a true handheld, the quote unquote pro version or the, you know, the equivalent of the new 3ds version is the part for me that is such a question mark. I don't get it. I don't understand it. We don't know what it is yet. So maybe that is why I don't understand it, but I even speculation on it has me confused. Anthony, what do you make of that? The, I mean, the new 3DS had sort of a weird bump in power and there were certain games that couldn't go back yeah. and play on old 3DSs. Is, is that what you're kind of expecting? Here? I think I think the proximity of a pro to the release of Switch, you know, only assuming it comes out this year, you know, about two years away. I My guess is, like Christian said, is that they'll they'll be able to play it safe and say, okay, well, the docked mode of the OG Nintendo Switch delivers this frame rate and this resolution. So now the Pro delivers that frame rate and that resolution undocked, but docked, it's the same. Like, no difference. Um, it is a little weird, though. Like, you know, this, it. I don't know if it's considered soon, but it feels this soon to be, like, talking about new models. Like, is this the new, is this the new trend? Is this Nintendo saying, like... We sold so, we sold so well and we're so happy with it, but then it kind of tapered off. That like we just we want that feeling again. Like the thing sells really well. I don't. I I, I understand the uh, cheaper version better than I understand the pro version. The cheaper version totally makes sense. I think Nintendo. I don't know their timeline of these, but I think they have a history of the pro version of all of their consoles especially the handhelds i should say like game boy to game boy color i mean i imagine i don't know off the top of my head the timeline but probably much longer than switch to this next switch or whatever it is but that was just kind of a a bump you know it played game boy games the game boy advance to the sp then the sp itself got an update with a better screen or a better backlight i forget i think it was an actual backlight um, the 3DS or the DS to the DS Lite, the 3DS, the 3DS, or the new 3D. Like they, they iterate a lot on their handhelds with these types of things. So I think even if it is, you know, just a bigger screen, a better battery life and that, you know, docked mode and handheld mode kind of spec bump. I think that fits right in line with what Nintendo does. And especially if they come out and bundle it with Pokemon. My counterpoint is there was a Wii there was a GameCube. There was an N64. There was... Yeah, know, but we're talking yeah. handhelds like talking now, about, baby. Yeah, but th- at the end of the day, like this is competing in the cons- the home console space as well as the handheld space. So a uh, pro version is going to... No matter what you call it, people are going to compare it to PS4 and Xbox. Right. Like, there's no way around that. And so, yes, they've done iterations of... 3ds and the ds to make it cheaper to like fine-tune features but at the end of the day when they've been releasing consoles the console is the console and it stays that way for a while what do you guys think about losing the switch nature of the machine i i have to admit i can't remember the last time i played mine docked because the reason i reach for my switch is because i want to play it handheld like that's 
I don't think you're going to lose it. I think it's going to come not bundled with one. Docs sell for like 90 bucks by themselves. I think it will still have that USB-C out port that can be docked. It just won't be part of the package. I think the Joy-Cons will stay on, but I think you'll still be able to hook up separate ones, and then they're not going to put a dock in the box. That's my, I'll go out on a limb, Spice prediction for this thing. Oh, you think that even the sort of 2DS equivalent, the kid-friendly version, will have the ability to do it? It just won't have the... Uh, stuff in the box to do it so correct correct Hmm, interesting interesting i don't know i I don't think i would even i think i think honestly the the dock is for when you play multiplayer games with other people on your couch right i feel like maybe i'm extrapolating my own i play a lot i play a lot of docks you do Uh, i well i think I think it's different me versus you guys. You guys live in a place you commute a lot and you get to have to get to places early and you have, a, you know, yeah. I, I work from home. And so I just have everything set up. I play a switch game on the, on the TV. I play a, this game on that. So hmm. I don't, I don't play as much docked unless I'm like really invested in the game. And then I'm going to like, uh, you, know, you know, go to the bathroom. Undocked, undocked, undocked. Yes. Yeah, so. I will sit on my couch in front of my television, holding my switch in my hand, <laughs> looking at it. I don't, I don't know why. I just think of it that way. I guess uh, I think of it like that's the that's the boon of having that machine. I, but maybe I'm the outlier. I don't know. Oh, I, I, I feel, I feel like I'm the outlier, but I'm just saying. I'm sure there are people that are like me that just have their gaming set up and like though the the handheld stuff is nice and I do play it plenty on handheld. It is really. Um, Still, I treat it like a home console. I still like like to s- play it in the the best resolution, the best frame rate possible. I do think that the more apt comparison to the 3D effect that was in the 3DS isn't the switching. It's the HD rumble. <laughs> the HD rumble, they made a huge deal about when Switch launched. And I feel like they have even recognized in the way they recognized the 3D was most people just turned it off that most people just turn off HD rumble. It's not a big deal. No one cares. Yeah. Nobody likes having this thing rumble in their hands where they're trying to watch the screen. Yeah. So it, it sounds like they're pulling that out of at least the, the kid version, maybe both versions. And that feels like the feature they recognize as being useless and waste of their marketing and technological, technological efforts. It's always the, the dead giveaway when I try to like sneak in some switch time somewhere and I don't have it turned <laughs> off and it's like, I'm like, Oh crap. Yeah. The one thing that I don't like, and this is probably me playing it more docked is the game relies too heavily on the joy cons. And I like the pro controller. There are so many games where it's like, for example, Mario party, super Mario party. You couldn't, play with you know multiple people having pro controllers and so i'm hoping that these versions uh you know doing things like oh you can't take let's say for example you can't take the joy cons off of the new one there it'll force them to have to consider all situations whereas before they're just kind of like well here's the version the joy cons come off we want you to buy more joy cons we don't really care about the pro controller because the pro controller is really nice yeah i agree i I agree and along those lines that my dream version for this pro, which let's be honest, I'm likely not going to get either of these because I already have a switch that works fine. But the thing that would make me get excited about maybe reinvesting in another switch is if the whatever this pro version is, is more like the 3DS XL, where it's it's a little bigger and it's sort of made for adult hands, you know, and I, I wouldn't get 
carpal tunnel syndrome for playing a game for 15 minutes, which is like what I do on switch now when I'm not on the pro controller. Um, if, if, you know, if the, what would be the joy cons were actually a little bigger, the buttons were a little bigger. If it really felt like we're making a version for adult humans and we're making a version for child humans. Now there's two, so we can actually really, you know, go all in on making it for adults. I would, I would get excited about that. Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I think, uh, Playing, yeah, playing it undocked is is certainly it's it's difficult if you have bigger hands. Yeah, it gives me actual pain sometimes. You know, but what you said, okay. But I, I bought a thing. You... I mean, I didn't buy it. They sent it to me, but I got a thing that literally I put my switch in, so it gives me something to hold on to in my big human hands. Put it in the dock and use your pro controller. You big dumb idiot. You're at home. You're complaining mm. about it's hurting true. your hands. You know what I want to is the bigger screen. <laughs> yeah. You want a bigger screen. Yeah. Going a way <laughs> to make it more like a home console. I don't know. Only. It was a good controller that was comfortable. Uh, just, ah, man. I guess I'll just play Xbox and PlayStation. I guess I'll I, buy the I, new one when it comes out. <laughs> I will say though, like, you know, speaking for the, you know, maybe not average consumer, but people that are unlike us. I, if I was a parent, I would be real mad if they introduced <laughs> another, like, you know, they have to, and maybe you don't understand how the business works, but at some point these things were hard to find. They were like super well sought after. And then you finally got one for your kid. They were so happy. And now your kid is like, I want to switch. And you're like, what? What? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it sounds like this is going to be less expensive too. These little, this kid version will be even cheaper than you can get a switch now. So if you're a parent, hold off <laughs> because it's coming. All right. Uh, my story of the week uh, is the, I mean, we had Spice Stradamus already coming in strong this week. Also, could Adamus? Nostra Nostranata? What are we call what are we calling me? I've been right so rarely that I don't have a nickname yet. But uh but it's happening oh, more and more. Called a broken clock. Yes, there you go. I Wait, think what? I think Jeff's Jeff Stradamus. Jeff Stradamus? That's pretty good. Jeff Stradamus. Um I had a a prediction uh at the end of the year or the beginning of this year saying that uh Sony would start doing Nintendo style directs. And I really tried. I really tried in my prediction to come up with the name of it. I couldn't think of anything clever. I wish I had thought of State of Play because that's what the PlayStation Direct is basically called. And we had the first one this week. Uh, and it, even to make me even happier, it was very heavily favoring the PlayStation VR peripheral and new titles for PlayStation VR. And guys, uh, not but two weeks ago... I said this on an episode of DLC. If we can just go back into the Wayback Machine. So No Man's Sky is getting a big, huge update that is uh, evidently going to be three-pronged. I'm hoping one of those prongs is VR. I'm ready for Oh, my God. That would be so good. Oh, that Uh, would be so good. But I've been predicting that since 2016. So (laughs) it happened. It happened. It happened! They announced uh, No Man's Sky, one of the prongs, another prong of the three-pronged big uh, update that is coming this summer to No Man's Sky is going to be full VR support for the entire game. It's going to have a full VR mode for PlayStation VR and on PC. 
and on PC. It's going to support VR on the PC version. So I'm like, how do I buy it on PC now? Um, and that's just one of the big things that was announced at the State of Play. A, a new Iron Man game for PlayStation VR was announced. We got a new VR Five Nights at Freddy's, uh, a new horror game from the Five Nights at Freddy's franchise called Help Wanted. Uh, we got a new trailer for Blood and Truth and a release date. It's coming May 28th. And some uh, non-VR stuff, a, a new game from Devolver Digital called Observation that basically looks like you know, 2001 A Space Odyssey, the game where you play as HAL, you play as the space station. Uh, and uh, more Mortal Kombat goodness. So I got on Twitter and was really just so amped and having a great time uh, loving the announcements, loving watching the state of play and kind of crowing about how uh, right I was. And people really did not like that. I got a lot of uh, hate, uh, people mad that it was very PSVR centric. Um, but I still love it. And I think it's proof, you know, th- what I said on Twitter is is that... Uh, I think it's proof that Sony is not skipping E3 because they don't have anything to show. They are skipping E3 as a strategic decision. And these state of plays are going to, well, I'll I'll let you retort, but these state of plays I think are going to replace that. And and there's multiple of them coming uh, over the year. This isn't the entire, what they would have shown at E3, but, um, and again, again, I know this, none of this is as big as an E3 announcement, but I think it just proves that they want to live in that Nintendo space where they're announcing things at multiple points in the year and kind of using these on their terms and announcing that on their terms. But Anthony, I, sounds like yeah, you have Anthony's teapot, teapot of opinions was going off. Yes, I heard a little... Uh... <laughs> I mean, we, I, we've already, I think we talked about it previously, but... I, I think that yes, I think they don't have any any game coming out after Days Gone for this year, and they don't want like the, it was a unique problem for me and you and the you know whatever two hundred other press people, but being forced to stand in a sweaty room and just watch gameplay footage of Last of Us, then see Ghost of Tsushima, and then leave is I think like I think they'll even have less mm. stuff to show that. Uh, um, I think I think that's why they're pulling out. I don't think this. I think the state of play for them is more. It is. I think it is copying Nintendo Direct, and I think it's trying to um, make things more internal. You know, they do their PlayStation blog when they have new stuff. I think that they'll just kind of like consolidate stuff, so you'll be able to see gameplay, you'll be able to hear from a developer, you'll be able to get all of the stuff you want to know about this specific info dump from their their stream and they'll be able to have metrics for like okay we we did this stream people watched it and then maybe that will help with whatever they want to do uh marketing and things like that but um i do i do think that this exists separate from what's happening with e3 this year i think e3 this year is more a case of they don't they don't want to go there and be like nothing's coming out until probably april of next year see ya Fair enough. Uh, may, they, both things might be true, uh, but I do think that this represents a sea change in the industry. And I think you're going to see more and more of these large publishers looking at Nintendo and going, why are we wasting all our time and energy talking through uh, the press? Why, we can disintermediate this. We can be the the guardians of our own message. We can talk directly to the audience. We don't have to do anything live. You know, we saw... <laughs> We saw how well Gearbox's live presentation went. We can just, and it's not, I'm sure there's still something 
valuable about being at a big convention like PAX and talking to a room full of rabid fans. Yes, that's not going away. But the idea of announcing big things in a controlled environment, put out in a very prepackaged, well-executed video like Nintendo has been doing, I think that's just where the industry is going. And and there's less need for a quote-unquote press conference now. I mean, I think, and we've done this as well as of others, we keep saying, oh, they're going to go the Nintendo route. But thinking more about it, I want to point out Nintendo hasn't pulled out of E3. And Nintendo, you know, they've quit doing their press conference, but they've had very dominant presence at E3 and also kind of dominating the press cycle throughout the week with their treehouse streams, the way they would do one big game, be it Zelda or Mario or Smash. Like, they showed up, they knew exactly what they wanted to sell, how they wanted to sell it, and they kept trickling out new information that the hardcore fans would get excited about, and then a few other more mainstream messages throughout the week at E3. And so Sony, you know, interestingly, I think, isn't going that approach, right? It's not like, we're not going to do a press conference, but we're going to have whatever... I don't days gone or last of us Two like experience kind of like at the last um, PSX where they had, what was it like Nathan Drake's attic or something like that to explore? Like they're not going that route. And so while it's easy to say oh, they're going the Nintendo route, I think Nintendo has this more figured out than people give them credit for with doing the directs, but also still having a large physical presence at E3 and reminding people that they are a force to be reckoned with. Hmm. I think it's a great point. Um, yeah. Anthony, what do you think of the, the the substance of what was shown during the state of play? I know you're not a huge VR fan, but what did you think of uh, No Man's Sky and Iron Man and some of the other stuff we saw? Yeah, I, I think I think the Iron Man VR looks really cool. I think that's something that 100% uh, I'll check out. Um, no Man's Sky, I feel like maybe the ship has sailed on that game for me, but the there, I know there are tons of people that are back into the game. Thanks to all those updates. And this will be something for them. And, and it's, it looks like they put a lot of effort into it. It doesn't just look like a, Hey, we put, you know, the perspective in VR. It looks like we tried to make it look like you are the little spaceman. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that they did a great job with it. I don't really think that there's anything wrong with them doing these state of play concepts, but, um, I, I would say that there were too many people that were like, oh, they're doing a state of play. And they're like, we're going to get a Last of Us 2 release date, bro. Here we <laughs> yeah. go. And it's like, I think this is going to be an opportunity for them to maybe shine a light on games that they aren't even, uh, you know, aren't even first party games. Like, it, it's great for the industry because it's more opportunities to see games and for developers to show off their games to a wide audience. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really hope the... Uh the no man's sky VR version supports the aim controller. And I really, really hope they are working on an update to the controllers in general, because, you know, I love the fact that, that Sony has continued to support PlayStation VR. It seems like it's working for them. They, they really are putting a lot of really cool stuff into the channel and it's supported. And this was, you know, front and center for this state of play was VR first state of play they've ever done. And the, Front and center was PSVR. I loved that about it, but it really points to the fact that we need controllers that have thumbsticks on them. We need controllers that are more robust and not just sort of retrofit from tech that was already lying around for a few years. We really do need uh, an update to the controllers, if not the full headset itself. And I'm 
I'm hopeful both are going to happen. I'm hopeful that the uh, the patent that we saw floating around for the wireless PSVR is real and happening and coming soon. I'd love to have an inside-out tracking headset like we're getting from a lot of these other uh, HMD manufacturers. Um, and, and you know, that I think that would be a huge boon to uh, – and show that the the hardware is sticking around. So I'm hopeful and I I'm hopeful no man's sky feels great in VR. I'm very, very excited to try it. And it's, it's free. I mean, that's so cool that they're, they're doing that. We talked at length a couple of weeks ago about, um, hello games and how committed they've been to that product. And it's just really encouraging to see that. Christian, do you have any thoughts you want to add? Uh, I agree with everything you said. And I think while I don't think Iron Man, the trailer was that impressive um, in terms of what it showed in actual gameplay. I'm hopeful that that game can be really impressive. I think it has the opportunity to combine two of my favorite PSVR experiences, Batman Arkham, and then the Star Wars Battlefront, you know, X-Wing mission, where it's like putting on the helmet is Tony Stark, right? So it's like in Batman, when you put on the cowl and you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, I am, I'm Batman, you know, and you had that moment. Like Iron Man is very much that. And that X-Wing VR mission for Battlefront is just exquisite. And so I think having that flying around Iron Man, um, you know, air battle type mode could feel really, really, really good. So I'm, I'm very um, hopeful that Iron Man VR kind of nails it. And Marvel's done a great job recently with their, you know, how they choose to license out their game. So, so far... The recent track record is pretty good. So hopefully camouflage can knock this out of the park and, um, you know, keep that trend going. But I know I, I don't want to necessarily transition to this right now, per se, we can. But I, VR is, you know, it's hot, right? <laughs> People are still getting into it. Sony said 4.2 million PSVRs were sold. We talked about last week with the Rift S how, well, of course, your old games, you know, the Rift stuff works with it. It's just a display. So I think there's room for Sony here to do that also. I don't think they need to wait for the PlayStation 5 to release an updated PSVR headset. I think there's a world in which the headset that is wireless with inside-out tracking and all that stuff, of course, it'd work with PlayStation 5, just like your TV would work with PlayStation 5. Right. So I think there's really room for them to continue to invest in this and have it seated and ready for whenever their next generation comes around because people are still entering the space. AR VR is, is not going away despite everybody saying it died four years ago and PC gaming died uh, 15 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah, no, I think you make a great point. I I think that would be very shrewd and smart of them to do to really, you know, we've never really seen peripherals transcend game generations, console generations, um, it's, it's very, very rare for that to happen. You know, even a, a thing as stupid and simple as a controller, they want you to buy new ones every time a new control uh, console comes out. Um, but it would be wonderful if Sony recognized that this is a pretty steep investment and one that does not have to be linked, you know, inexorably with the, with the console that it was sold for you, you know, for you on. Um, yeah, I think that's a really great point. I hope they do that. That'd be great. Uh, yeah, it's 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 exciting, and it it was a bummer that the Iron Man trailer through the whole thing had you know not actual gameplay written in white on the bottom. I think that's a turnoff, but it's also honest. Thank you for being honest. And it's hard to convey VR experiences in a two D trailer. It's hard, and I I don't blame them for not wanting to show a, a VR experience gameplay footage in 
you know, in a reveal trailer. I, I don't blame them for that. All right. Uh, still so much news to get to everybody. We're going to do, like I said, we're going to do a, a, a double, uh, double edition of the story of the week. And first we're going to thank our sponsor. Oh, Squarespace, Squarespace, such a great place to make anything that you need on the web, any reason you might have for building a website. And let's face it, we're all going to need a website at some point, either you're going to need to showcase your work or you're going to blog or publish content, or you're going to sell something. You know, maybe you have a business, small business, even something sort of uh, you, you're doing on your own that you might want to sell something. You want to promote a uh, an event, just a kind of one-time thing. It's all very, very smart to have a website, but sometimes you can feel a little daunted by that. Don't be. Squarespace makes it easy with beautiful templates created by world-class designers. You start with that you make it your own you drag and drop it's so easy the tools are just simple and that's what i like about it that's why i recommend it to all my friends and family i have for years recommended squarespace anytime somebody says hey you're the web guy you're the the guy who knows about computers i need to make that uh, th- that their old internet website how do i do it i say oh, squarespace.com slash jeff sent me that's the place to go because uh you can do everything drag and drop you can plop in e-commerce functionality. It's easy, simple. They have a plug and play. It's ready to go. And then you can customize the look and feel of your template to make it not look like everything else on the web, to make it your own. But you do it so simple. You you can you know have products on there, just a few clicks, make it exactly how you want it to be. Uh, free and secure hosting they've got, built-in search engine optimization. They've got analytics to help you grow over time. There's nothing to patch or upgrade ever. And they always have the best 24-7 award-winning customer support. Make it yourself. Make it yourself. Give it a try. You can try it without having to pay a single dime. You can use their tools by going to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me, and you can uh, start your free trial. And then when you're ready to launch your site, just use the promo code Jeff sent me to save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain for that matter. That's squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me or the promo code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. We thank Squarespace for supporting the show and hope you give them a shot. All right, guys. So many more stories to talk about. Um, Anthony, if you had a second story of the week, what do you want to, what do you want to talk about? If I had a second story of the week, it would probably be that uh, Sega Genesis and Mega Drive mini. It's happening. It's happening. We've had, we've had Nintendo minis, We've had uh, various things shrunk down over the last several years, uh, but finally we're getting the the Genesis uh, in, in America, the Mega Drive overseas. But uh, I think it's going to be called the Sega Genesis Mini here in the states. It's launching September nineteenth. It's going to come with what forty games on on you know built in. We only know ten so far: uh, Altered Beast, Castlevania Bloodlines, Comics Zone, Doctor Robotnik's Mean Beat. Mean Bean Machine, Echo the Dolphin, Gunstar Heroes, Shining Force, Sonic the Hedgehog, Space Harrier 2, and Toe Jam and Earl. Pure fire. Those are, <laughs> if you're going to release 10 games that you're going to be the first 10 games you list, dude, Castlevania Bloodlines as one of the ones that you're dropping in there, and then Mean Bean Machine, which was incredible, but like kind of forgotten. Gunstar, ooh, man. Echo the Dolphin being in the first, Space Harrier 2, I was very happy to see as well. Uh, gotta have and, Altered and Beast. It's like, that, for, you gotta have Altered Beast. 
for our listeners uh, who are maybe yelling at their cars or whatever when they're listening to this, um, the, they announced a, a version of the Genesis Mini. I believe it was last year at their fan event, and it was going to be made in collaboration with, I think it's at Games, and they had done some before, and they're not good. Um, like the Genesis that are at like your, you know, um, a pharmacy or convenience store or whatever kind of around town weren't great. They had sound problems, emulation problems. And so Sega, I don't know what it was, nine, ten months ago, announced that the Genesis Mini was going to be delayed. And now they came out at this year's fan event and announced this. And it's um, being developed internally by, uh, what is it, M2? Uh, the people who do the the Genesis, the um, arcade classics. They did them on 3DS and they're doing them on Switch as well. And they are all absolutely incredible. So to hear that they're the ones doing the software for this thing, suddenly this made it from like a joke PlayStation mini type thing to, oh man, this thing is going to be awesome. The thing that kind of is setting people off right now is that it looks like in the U.S. it's bundled with two three-button controllers, yeah. while the Japanese version is getting the six-button. My hope is that those six buttons work, right? <laughs> I mean, it might cost you a little more, but you can buy them. But that also seems to imply that maybe Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat won't be included on this thing, because playing those with three buttons is not ideal. But dude, Anthony, this this thing is... What a story. I'm so excited for this thing. This thing looks I mean- awesome. I'm very excited for it. I uh, have an NES Classic. I have a SNES Classic. I have a PlayStation Classic still in a box. Um, <laughs> yeah, I so mean, you collect you collect small versions of I, things. I, you know, I I'm really I'm a weird person that likes to own pieces of nostalgia. Maybe not even interact with it. I like buy the movies that I enjoyed from the previous year and I never watch them again. So I think, <laughs> I mean, we all have, we all have us minis also. So like, we're just big fans of, of miniaturized things, right? Like we That's all, true. um, except there, these are not, uh, these are not as cheap. Our, 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 <laughs> yeah, our my us minis, minis are both open and they're very expensive. They are very expensive. And they break other things. Anyway, yeah, um, I'm a big fan of the Genesis growing up. Uh, you know, I played a lot of games. But it, I guess the the thing for me is more, um, I don't, maybe it's just what I, what I favored growing up. I was more like a Nintendo kid. So, like, a lot of these games I'm more interested in re-experiencing or experiencing for the first time versus like an nes classic or snes classic it was like yeah i remember those games i'd like to see what they look like whereas these ones it's like i don't i don't know if i fully remember so i'm more excited for this one i think because it's more of a like get reacquainted with the games that you maybe have forgotten about or you'll you'll remember almost instantly yeah i mean uh, gunstar heroes is, is amazing that they're including that i think that game could be rediscovered for people. I have fun memories of it, but I, I don't know how well it holds up. <laughs> uh, games very well. It's one of Treasure's best. It's still incredible. I'm, I'm, I would I would totally like to revisit that game. I doubt I would play through the whole thing, but um, I the game here are the games that we haven't heard about yet. There's a lot more coming. A lot more. Uh, we only see you know have a quarter of what's going to be in there announced so far so a few that i would uh, want and you guys can chime in on ones you would want uh there has to be a fantasy star right there has to be a fantasy star i don't know which fantasy star they do there has to be a fantasy two four i don't know um and i would love i think this is a very long shot not likely to happen 
but I would love Madden 94 and NHL 94 to happen. Like the, Madden is the game I played on my Genesis. All those EA games, yeah. Road Rash. Like EA was uh, huge on the Genesis. Dude, and yeah, like I, I don't I think don't I know about sports games. That would be tough because I guess they'd need to get the license. That's why I think yeah. it's very unlikely it's going to happen. But yeah. man, going back and playing Madden '94, that that was the game I played on my Genesis. I had a Genesis, and it almost exclusively played Madden on it. Uh, back when I was like, I loved that game. Um, so. I don't know. Do you guys have any other Genesis games that you would love to? Christian, it feels like you're you're already like importing Genesis games. I don't. Do you think like an Aladdin would show up? I mean, I think Aladdin, Punisher, a lot of any of the brawler Streets of Rage, all of them, but it's specifically Streets of Rage two, um, Virtual Racing. I don't know if they could mimic the the not not the FX chip, whatever they called theirs. I know the SNES did have Star Fox, so hopefully that's possible. Um, like not Golden Axe. Golden Axe. What's golly? The driving game. You're in a Ferrari. I'm ashamed that I'm forgetting the name of it. Outrun. Yes. Outrun needs to be on this thing. Apparently, they said that was really going to launch with 30 and they couldn't cut it to 30. So they're like, let's just do 40. Awesome. Yeah. It's exciting. It's cool. Hopefully, it works as well as, uh, you know, as it's supposed to. (laughs) You know, we we were disappointed before. Hopefully, we're not disappointed this time. But, um, you know, fans of retro games. Lots, you have, lots you have to feel like they learned from the PlayStation Classic. They there was some sort of like a vague uh, hint that they were like, we're going to include the the US, the Europe, and the Japanese version. So hopefully that just means no PlayStation Classic PAL version issues. Yeah. Well, I hope this thing crushes so that they're incentivized to do the Dreamcast Mini because I think that'd be a load of fun. Ooh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, Christian Spicer, second story of the week. We're just going to keep it rolling Sega with that first Streets of Rage 4 gameplay coming out. That game, I understand fans are a little upset that it's not pixel art. Um, It's not kind of the Sonic Mania version of Streets of Rage 4. But my goodness, I think that game looks absolutely incredible. I really like the hand-drawn art. I think it's for a franchise that has been dormant for so long to come back in a bold and exciting way. And seeing that game in action and the tease of two additional characters that we don't know about, um, I'm I'm very excited for Streets of Rage 4. I'm a little curious, at least maybe Jeff or Anthony, you can correct me. I don't think they've said what it's coming out on. <laughs> so, like, I feel like... I think it's your, your, what you can expect, uh, PlayStation. It better be Switch. I'm just very uh, nervous. It's going to be like, and playable on Android phones only. And I'm like, what the heck? Uh, based on it, it doesn't look like, you know, it doesn't look like it wouldn't be on the Switch. I think it. I think yeah. it surely will. Or like Epic Store only, and I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna buy it, but also it needs to be on. But I, I think it looks great. I, uh, I hope the 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 thought with some of that hand drawn those graphics is how responsive is it, and and you know what do the animation loops feel like uh, again and again, and and how can you kind of predict your hits and your dodges and stuff like that, and if they're adding any je ne sais quoi to it, right, to kind of update the brawler formula. Um, because I think it's interesting that Streets of Rage was never an arcade franchise the way some of the other brawlers were that were brought Final over. So Fight stuff, yeah, yeah. Final Fight, Turtles, Punisher, X Men, all of those things. And so Streets of Rage kind of, you know, was those games, but also wasn't born out of stealing quarters as much. Um, so I always thought Streets of Rage Two was kind of the best version of that, where it was difficult but never 
quite as cheap as I thought some of those other brawlers were. And I'm curious how Streets of Streets of Rage Four exists in this post. You know, Double Dragon Neon I think was done really well. Castle Crashers was done really well. I'm curious if it adds anything uh, in that way, or was just kind of a throwback brawl. Speaking of which, we didn't talk about it uh, last week or the week before, but did you hear the Castle Crashers is coming out on Switch? Yeah, it's, it's like the HD port or whatever, like that's the updated th- version yeah. of it. Or whatever's coming out. That's oh, a good man. game. That sounds like a great game for Switch. Perfect game for Switch. Um, speaking of perfect games for Switch, I'm not going to use this as my story of the week, but I'm going to sneak it in right here and say uh, I am so excited that uh, the Runic games are not dead. Uh, we got news this week that Panic Button is stepping in and releasing a Switch version of... Uh, or no, they're the guys that are doing the um, the console version of Torchlight 2, uh, but they're also going to be releasing a Switch version of Hob. Hob, a criminally overlooked game. Hob is coming to, to Switch this year. So I really hope... Um, yeah, it is Panic Button that's doing it. I really hope that uh, people discover this game. They... Runic Games put out Hob. They put out the Torchlight Games. Then they put out Hob. Hob didn't do well. Runic closed. They spelled the end of Runic Games. But from that, from those ashes, um, those those IP are still uh, around, and it looks like they're getting renewed life. I'm very very excited about that. So um, play Hob. And Panic Button is great. I mean, their pedigree on Switch port so far has been god tier so i think if anyone's going to be doing a, a, a port yeah, yeah. doom wolfenstein 2 they're doing the switch version of wolfenstein youngbloods coming out soon so yeah uh i'm very excited about this but the story the second story of the week that i want to really talk about uh is the tease that we've get, we're maybe getting well it looks like we are getting an actual valve vr headset and it's going to be called index uh you clean it with windex you clean your index with windex I think. Um, but yes, a Valve headset, which we will find out more about in May. We don't really know much. It's just a tease, but we got an image of the headset, sort of um, dark in the shadows uh, on Steam. And it's called, uh, it says, Upgrade Your Experience, May 2019. So I don't know if we are just finding out more in May or if the headset itself is actually being released in May. But we are fully in Gen 2 of VR headsets, and I could not be happier. Anthony, what do you think? What do you think? Valve entering the game, you think maybe there'll be a launch title along with this headset? Oh, are you, are you trying to get me to say the words HL3 on the April 1st podcast? Because no, I'm I was thinking maybe Artifact. <laughs> artifact. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, you know, I, we've talked long, long about my kind of mehness about VR. It's another headset. I know you're excited, Jeff, but I'm going to speak for all those people that are like, no, <laughs> it's too many. They're very expensive. They yeah. require a lot of space. They require a lot of things. We need to, somebody needs to like figure out which one is the one and we need to decide <laughs> that's the one. And then Valve is like, we're going to make one, but then they're going to make one and it's going to be like, that's the one to have. And so everybody that spent, you know, 600 plus dollars on a Rift or a Vive are going to be like, ah, this is a better version. Oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. I, I, even me with my 
headset problem. Uh, I recognize the fact I'm, I'm torn now of like, do I get the S do I wait for this valve thing? There's this HP headset that's supposed to be uh, incredible with the, the highest resolution. Get them all. Get them all. Yeah. It's like Pokemon. It's like, they're like, po- yeah, they're like Pokemon. Ordinarily expensive Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> My fear for this when and I'd be honestly perfectly happy if it came with orange box VR, like yeah, oh, half-life three, of course, half-life three would be incredible, but I would, I think and left for dead VR, like valve has other games, a counter strike in VR. I think, um, what was the, Oh man, the PSVR game that was kind of that approach, right? Like breaking yeah, in. It was kind of like, uh, oh no, yeah. Um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, whatever it was, kind of like the Rainbow Six Siege version. It was great in VR, and I feel awful for not remembering its name. My hesitancy here is that Valve's track record on hardware isn't great, right? It's kind of like Google's track record on everything that's not <laughs> Gmail, YouTube, or the search engine, where firewalls they haven't. Are. Fire, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, Valve hasn't really stuck by anything, right? Like, um, uh, uh, yeah. Um, in terms of hardware, it's an unknown thing for them. And so they partnered with HTC for the first thing of VR. Their VR teams had a bunch of layoffs over the years. Like, what? what is it and how... I'm excited for May, but I'm cautious at this point, personally. Yeah, and, and speaking to what Anthony brought up... I, we need to get rid of walled gardens on these things. And, and Oculus is the biggest offender here. And that's because, you know, they are funding out of pocket games. And of course, if you're funding games, you want to keep them on your headset and in your ecosystem and on your marketplace. And I get that. Well, so is Sony. So is so- yeah, I mean, so the same Sony. thing for you're Sony. Right. Yes, you're right. There are plenty of amazing. I mean, the fact that PS that the PC VR owners can't play Astrobot Re- Rescue Mission is a crime. That game should be played by everyone that loves VR. Uh, and that's a bummer. It's a bummer. Uh, and I wish this tech was handled more like monitors because as a, as a display device because nobody complains when six new monitors get announced. You know, nobody's like, oh, we can't – all these monitors. Like, There's too many monitors. It's like, no, you pick one that you like and it's in your price range and you go. But that's just not how this has been handled so far. It really does feel like a peripheral or a uh, console in and of itself. And I wish we could write that ship and it, we could, could feel more like, uh, you want to play a game in a virtual space, get a headset, you know, get one of the headsets instead of, you want to play a game on your desktop, get a PC monitor. I feel, I wish that that was the analogous situation, but it is not. Uh, but I'm hopeful. I mean, I, I don't think there's any universe where we actually get half-life three. I feel like, I feel like I'm saying Voldemort. When I say it is the, you know, the games that shall not be named. I don't think we're actually going to get that. We may get something that lives in the Half-Life universe. That's long been rumored as something Valve has been working on in VR, a sort of Half-Life universe product, which would be notable in and of itself because we've gotten so few Half-Life universe products in the last several years. I'd much more be much more excited about a a portal game in VR. I I think that would be. Yeah incredible they, there was a fan version of one that was made up for vive that was pretty rad but very short uh, and if you got a like an official valve p- portal game like portal four three or whatever we're on um in vr i think that'd be it's, it's sick sick um so i'm hoping that that they not only announce this headset but announce some software that supports it and i hope that software is just on steam and any headset that works on steam vr can play the game. I think that would be wise. And I kind of what I expect, I don't expect 
Valve to be proponents of a, another walled garden. They don't seem to be in, in, that in their in their pedigree. I mean, the way Gabe Newell has been so vocal about Linux and you know so anti walled gardens in general, I would be surprised if they did that. But we, yeah, I could see them bundling it with the headset as kind of a way to incentivize purchasing the headset. Totes. But I'll say this. In my opinion, it needs to be inside out tracking or or get out of town. Like I am done mounting or positioning cameras or lighthouses around my room. If I'm upgrading my experience, I think for you, Jeff, it needs to plug into your fancy port. <laughs> That's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, I don't need to worry about I'm in a you know, small space. It works for VR, but getting those cameras in the right spot is always a little bit of a headache, especially if the kid has run in and, and moved. It's like, no, it needs to be exactly here. Um, so with the Rift S and the Quest and stuff like that coming out now and actually becoming real in the market. I think this thing needs to be inside out for it to be that next step of like gen two VR. I totally agree. And that's why I'm so worried about the rumblings that it is not, that it is a showcase for valves next gen outside in track. I mean, at this Um, point you can't, you can't enter the space and not be the front runner, you know, like you can't enter the space and not, have the best tech. So yeah, if you're going to enter the space and be behind your competitors, VR is a very hobby, you know, expensive hobby driven thing that the people that are into it, it's, there's no like casual VR person, like people that in are into it. They know what's the best. They know what they need. So you have to kind of blow people's socks off if you want to, if you want to compete. Yeah, especially if you want people to upgrade. If you're if you're looking for the sort of highest of high end, the people who are most passionate, like yours truly, uh, I'm I'm looking for you know, give me the Ferrari. I want the Ferrari, and uh, I'm I'm excited to try you know the HP headset, which sounds like the Ferrari right now. Uh, I think it's called Reverb. Um, anyway, so. Exciting stuff uh, from my perspective, and that is your double whammy of stories of the week segments because uh, there's just so much going on, so much going on. But we do have games to talk about, including a game that uh, Christian and I have given short shrift to. But luckily, we have uh, we got Anthony here, so he's going to save us, as he always does. So let's get right into talking about the games we've been playing on our playlists. Ooh, Anthony. Hi. Thank you for being here. I am here to just like when we do game of the year and I am there to put the game you don't want to put as number one. (laughs) I am here to talk about the games that you don't want to play. (laughs) We got Anthony. 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 He's the savior. He's our savior. Um, Not not just one. Many, many emails this week. Hey, you guys going to talk about Sekiro? Uh, you guys going to talk about Sekiro? Um, ooh, no, probably not. Christian and I not playing it. <laughs> Anthony. We talked offline, Jeff, just to share this story for people. Uh, and we, I was like, man, it's getting great reviews. And you were like, yeah, it, it really is. They're, they're incredible. Are you going to play it? And I was like, I was really interested. Then I, I think it was Polygons. Then I read some review praising it. And they talked about their six-hour boss fight. And I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both of us were like, were like, are you going to play it? Because it sounds really good. No, 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 I'm not playing it. Are you going to play it? Oh, no, no yeah, way. You, got, you should really play it. It looks awesome. <laughs> and then I text Anthony, hey, can you do the show this week? <laughs> <laughs> so, Anthony, you are. have you finished it? Did you finish it last night? I Yes, I have finished the kiddo. 
well, there are multiple endings. Endings. I've completed w- what is considered the main ending. There's a you know good and a bad and a like a extended good and a. I got. I did the one that most people do. Okay. So I have completed it, and it is a phenomenal game. It is Anthony. Anthony. <laughs> it, I, it, it, I mean, I, I could talk about it a lot. So I'm a big from software game. Uh, I love the Souls game, the Souls born games, including Bloodborne and uh, Demon Souls. Um, but this game feels like them responding to fan complaints and fan uh, strategies and saying like, hey, we're going to create a game that challenges you in new ways that makes you forget your old patterns um there's there's so many things that they've packed into the game that are really clever and new and fun um but i will say up front this game is not going to be for everybody i'm not surprised that neither you jeff or christian have been interested in playing it because yes i i too fought some bosses for multi-hours um, it is tough. It's it's definitely not easy. Um, there are going to be people that are going to be like, man, I was uh, beat it in two hours, beat it in a sitting, whatever. But can I, can I ask is, you, when you say you fought a boss for multiple hours, that's because you had to try so many times or is it the actual fight is that protracted? No, 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 no. It's it's because I had to try that many times. Okay, like, that's what I, I would say. I would say minimum playing the game. I died a hundred times. Yeah, me certainly more. But it's yes, it is challenging and it is the type of game that uh, it does. I will say it does reward that concept of like, OK, I understand this boss, but I'm getting a little fatigued. Um, I'm I'm learning the patterns and you go in fresh the next day and you do. Well, in my case, I did better and I, I was able to learn from it. But yeah, I just want to say up front that if you're the type of person that looks at these Dark Souls games and says, I don't really like this challenge any anything like that it might not be for you because it i think it is the hardest of from software's games wow um but the there are some great things about it it has a story um you know the the dark souls games and the other souls games they have like kind of vague lore and a general thing you're doing but it doesn't make it entirely clear whereas this game uh you have a protagonist that you're actually playing he's he's called the wolf or Sekiro, and he has a goal he has you know, things he's trying to achieve in the game and there are cutscenes, and there are dialogue bits with main characters. So there's a lot of the criticism from those other games are like, well, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of like running around fighting enemies and then a boss. But this game, you kind of understand what you're doing, albeit there's still kind of those like vague details and, and the world is, is uh, expanded upon by reading item descriptions and things like that. But there there's more effort put into creating a lore and story than in any of the previous games. That's cool. That's cool. And, and yeah, it, it, the story is interesting. And is it, is it in that same kind of dark dreary milieu that they kind of have oh, mind a little before? bit? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, the basic, the basic over overarching plot is um, you're, you're in uh I think it's called the Sengoku, Sengoku period. Um, it's it's fictionalized, but it's set during that time. And there is a uh, a young child that is called the Divine Heir, and the Divine Heir has immortality. Mm-hmm. And the Divine Heir gives uh, the wolf the ability of immortality, so that's kind of how you come back to life. There's also a mechanic where you can revive during a fight, which is nice. Um, 
And but the having that immortality brings a lot of people after the divine heir. And so you as the wolf are trying to protect the divine heir as the shinobi of the divine heir. And you're trying to help the divine heir sever his, his immortality. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's got a neat story in it and it, it goes some interesting places, but it does still have this like concept of like, there's a kid that has immortality. All these people want to get after him. Like you're going to some dark places. There's dark and scary stuff. It's not as Gothic yeah. as like a bloodborne or as like dark fantasy, but it's still kind of got like that, like dark Japanese elements. You know, there's some, uh, there, there are some things that are certainly um, it's not bright and shiny for the most part. Right. And from a gameplay perspective, uh, you know, people who are in the know, who know the series is better than I do uh, say that bloodborne really represented a increase in speed and sort of a, um, a, a, a move forward in a lot of ways for yeah. that's a, it is, is secondary the, the sort of next step in that direction. So yeah, the, the souls games are uh, a lot of them are kind of your fights are really based largely on waiting till an enemy attacks or does a series of attacks or waiting for a specific attack, getting in and attacking a little bit yourself to do damage and dodging. You know, you get uh, invincibility frames and you can like dodge um, at specific times as a person is attacking and not take damage. And that was kind of the combat there. Uh, Bloodborne was was more uh, less invincibility frames. There was kind of like a stagger mechanic, but still same idea. You're you're waiting for attacks and then you're waiting for openings. With this game, they've introduced what's called the posture system. And the way that works is you have posture and your enemies have posture and any kind of successive attacks are building up this posture meter. In addition, if they're attacking you and you're blocking, it's going to raise your posture meter. But if you deflect, which is a block right as the attacks hit, which are difficult because enemies can, uh, you know, do multiple attacks and there's kind of like a ballet element of like, you know, a rat-a-tat like, oh, hit, 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 hit. So, but if you can learn that timing and deflect, you're going to build their posture faster than you're going to build your own posture. And so the end goal is to fill out the posture meter of most enemies and then you can do what's called a death blow. So in a lot of cases, bosses and enemies have a health bar, but you don't need to worry about their health. You just need to break their posture. Hmm. So you'll see people that are really good at the game that will go in and fight bosses. And since they know the timing so well, they will defeat bosses who only have lost like maybe a quarter of health. Hmm. Um, So it's really interesting. It, It makes things super challenging, but it also is a real learning experience because you're not just sitting back and watching an enemy kind of like hit, hit, hit. Okay. Here's my chance for two hits. You're just in their face and you're just blocking or deflecting constantly. So you can kind of like uh, play super aggressive, which you really couldn't do before in other souls games because you always had to worry about getting back. But in this game, there are, a few attacks that you need to dodge, like either jump or um, there's actually a really awesome move that most enemies can do where they lunge forward and you kind of step on their sword or spear and like 
knock it into the ground that builds posture but for the most part you're you're deflecting um so it's really it's completely different i think it's a really um not not necessarily like unique system because there there are other games where they block but it makes you play completely different and i was really just like engrossed in boss battles it made me feel way more accomplished you know in in the souls games when you defeat a boss it kind of feels like more like a war of attrition like i just waited out attacks and i got lucky yeah this is like i went in and i hit block at the right time enough times and i beat this enemy yeah it, it feels so much more satisfying um and i it, i was really engrossed in the game i wish there was more to be honest wow that's really cool man everybody seems very high on it that that has played it and um and it's an interesting progression to see how from software has sort of you know, they started with these games with with shields and sort of conservative play, and and it seems like they keep encouraging people to play more aggressively over the course of their yeah. releases. Yeah, the the Souls games, there, you know, you see the speedrunners and and the people like that that just you can just run by enemies, and you can still do that in this game, but they've introduced incentives to fight certain enemies because certain enemies are called elites; they're tougher to fight, but they give you. Um, what are called prayer beads, which will boost your health. So there's more of an incentive to actually fight enemies, not run past them. Um, But at the same time, the game has no like upgrade system in the sense of like, okay, I can sit here in this area and farm these enemies, build up XP and boost my attack, my defense, my health. You can't do any of that. Um, you can purchase skills with XP, which give you like different move sets, but none of none of them outside of like two or three are essential. And it really is a case where you could run through the whole game, never upgrading, and you just rely on your skill and you could do it. Hmm. Um, it's it's totally possible because the bosses are the ones that give you an attack power boost, and that's all you really need if you're that good. Right. Um, so it's yeah, they they've really responded to like, oh, you know, nobody wants to fight all of our enemies. They run past our enemies. Well, we're going to give them enemies that they want to fight or, you know, nobody likes encounters where there's just enemies sitting around and they're so easy to kill. But you have to, you know, you have to hit them twice. Well, we're going to make a little bit of stealth to the game um, so you can actually one shot a lot of enemies. There's movement is fast. There's a whole grapple mechanic like you can traverse really fast like it it's a much 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 faster speedier more aggressive game and it's great i recommend anybody that uh likes i don't know really high challenge games where they have to learn patterns and stuff check it out um but i will say 100 percent, there are even going to be from software fans i know of a few that are going to be like i don't like this game this is not for me because it's different but it's nice i love it Christian, I would describe you as somebody that enjoys learning patterns. Yeah, it, it's a delicate balance, I think, because like, you know, Celeste or, um, you know, a lot of these retro or, you know, not retro, but retro inspired games, Guacamelee, um, certainly require Mega Man, Mega Man 11 learning patterns and, and going in and, and trial and error and, and learning before completing it. I think for me, what bounces me off this game is just maybe, maybe I'm a savant and I'd learn it quicker, but it's just, I don't, six hours is too long. Like, like that's the balance of like, how many times do I want to try something before I learn it and it clicks? 
<clears throat> versus is that rewarding or frustrating? And and I read a lot of reviews about this game because I really am on the fence about it still. And hearing Anthony talks about it, it sounds gr- it sounds great. I just don't. I think it's on the side of frustrating. So I'll probably look to you know get it from GameFly when it becomes available or go- goes on sale or something like that. I just don't think I had the the patience right now for it, especially considering some of the other games I'm playing um, <laughs> are requiring me to learn pattern and repetition and stuff like that. Uh, so I just wasn't able to make room in my head for it right now, but it looks everything I've watched people play it. It looks so good. And I think the grapple mechanic, I mean, is that kind of, I don't want to say get out of jail free, but I saw people using it in really interesting ways where it's like, you can reset Uh, a mechanic quickly or an encounter for, for kind of like the, the little like, uh, pathways towards boss fights or mini boss fights. You can kind of, there is a okay, I'm, I'm in a new area. There's a lot more enemies than there has ever been in, in Souls games before, but I can kind of like, okay, I see a guy off to the side. I can sneak over to him, take him out. Now I can grapple over to the left side. This guy now that would have seen me if I attacked these guys, I'm going to take him out. Like there is a lot of strategy. You can, in theory, take out everybody um, stealthily, uh, outside of the mini bosses, I will say you can stealth hit the mini bosses and kind of like get a advantage, but yeah, there, there is like a completely stealth focused element that if you want to interact with that and you want to play like that, it totally rewards it. It's totally possible. You can always sprint. You can, there are places to hide. You can use the grapple to be above everybody. Um, so that part, I think that part will appeal to anybody. It's just once they get to these really tough bosses or mini bosses that are like, you need to learn these mechanics and you need to be able to do this. That's where the wall kind of will separate people. And it's unfortunate, but that's, you know, that's one why it's so rewarding to complete or to be a boss. But at the same time, it it is going to turn off tons of people. And, and that's, I think that's just kind of the game they want to create. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, switching gears to something that probably is the complete other side of the spectrum. Uh, Yoshi's Crafted World was just released on Switch. Uh, Anthony, I know you've been playing that as well. I have. Uh, it's a complete departure from Sekiro. It's uh, very cutesy. Um, it's it's in the same vein as Yoshi's Woolly World. It just, um, you know, it's uh, it's got the... He's, he's, he's bought some new materials yes. he's not just stuck to wool yes he's uh moved on to cardboard um, and paper and all kinds of yeah stuff. it's i mean it's super clever it's the level the it. levels are extremely well designed they have uh you know cutesy designs of various uh things like a, a train or a boat or different enemies uh or things to interact with paper and felt and tape and whatever it's 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 just it's Nintendo making a, a a kind of 3D somewhat side scrolling platformer really well with great design, great music. Uh it's it's 100% a a winner. It's not going to be the game to to play on the Switch, but it is a great game to play. Yeah, it is uh if you want the feeling that you do not get in Sekiro <laughs> that you do not get in from software games of just liking to be in a place and marveling at the, just the, the pure whimsy of everything. 
what a what a great series. I, I'm excited to play it myself. I know, Christian, you're going to be playing it too, right? Yeah, mine is uh, in the mail. I'm not at home. It might be at home. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Um, I just, I like that Nintendo makes these games. I like that they ha- execute on the crafted world aesthetic so well. I mean, back to the Kirby games and... I just, I just enjoy being in a, I mean, I guess that's why I'm not playing second row, right? (laughs) That's why I enjoy the, that feeling. Um, Good. I'm glad to hear it is, it is good. Solid platforming, right? There's not much more to say about it than that. No, it's, it's got some, you know, neat mechanics with, uh, you know, uh, turning enemies into eggs and you can throw or shoot the eggs at the background or the foreground collectibles. It's got all of the things you want out of a Nintendo game it has a, you know, you beat this level screen. Uh, you found the five sunflowers. You earned a hundred coins for a sunflower. You found 20 red coins for a sunflower. Like it's, it is, it is pure Nintendo in every sense. Cool. So that's a uh, Yoshi's crafted world. And uh, you are also playing the game that is just crushing on Steam right now. Everybody seems to be loving it. It's got uh, like 7,000 reviews at over 97% positive. Risk of Rain 2. Yes. So uh, Risk of Rain 2, it's a super departure from the first game. Uh, I don't remember. I don't know if either of you remember the first game or played the first game. It was kind of like a... It had a very indie art style. Yep. This this does too, but it, you know it was a side scroller. It, but it was at its core a roguelike where you're shooting enemies, you're getting upgrades, and this game is that, but in a 3D space and with co-op uh, and a lot of um, you know different kind of moving pieces. It it's very run based. It's very, you know, you run out there, you you get a lot of other things working. In, in addition to your main attack, you know, you get healing drones and turrets and, and this and that uh, upgrade going. And it's, it's really clever. It's a, I don't know. It's, it's really a, the type of game that fits perfectly with that roguelike genre. Like there are, there aren't a lot of games that really do that well and have that addictive nature, but this game, I always felt like, okay, I'll just do one more. And if I get this item and this item, I'm good. If I don't get this item, I'll stop playing. And then I get those items and I kind of like go on a good run. It's, it's, yeah. it's great. I, I honestly was not expecting a risk of rain too, to be, cause I played the first risk of rain and it just really wasn't for me, but I liked this game a lot. I liked the first risk of rain a lot. Really? Okay. Uh, I did. I, I, I think somebody bought it for me. Boy, I, I'm going to be embarrassed when that person emails me. Is like, it was me. It was, I feel like a friend of mine bought it for me, and we played it together, like at the same computer. I can't remember who that was, but um, yeah, there was a time in my youth when a game would come out, and then its sequel would come out, and its sequel would be on like new video game hardware. You know, it was back when you new video game hardware would mean video games could do things they couldn't do before. <laughs> We sort of left the, that era behind because uh, hardware is just incremental at this point. But back then, there were these giant shifts. In, you know, you went from 8-bit to 16-bit or something like that. And a sequel to a game would just represent a huge leap in fidelity and the look would be completely different. And that's how, that's how game franchises worked. That's how it feels with Risk of Rain 2. 
I'm looking at screenshots going, this is the same franchise. It's wild. Uh, I'm very excited to give it a shot. I'm glad to hear you like it. Yeah, it's, it, it is, it, you know, it's got that roguelike stuff that really, I want to play more basically. Yeah. Very cool, man. Very cool. So that's risk of rain two. It's on steam. Christian Spicer. Uh, speaking of Genesis mini, right? Yeah, had the Genesis Mini from M2 been announced before my analog had shipped <laughs> or been announced, would I have chosen not to go the analog route and done the Genesis Mini? I don't think so because I was a Genesis kid growing up, So I and I recently got all my old games out of my parents' attic, so I have all the carts. So my analog Mega SG arrived this past week. But you've also it been like the- buying secondhand, like on the... On the retro market, you've been spending some serious coin getting those old carts, right? Yeah, there are a few Genesis games that I either don't have, didn't have anymore, or never had growing up. And so I, after I pre-ordered my, my analog, I started looking around eBay and some secondhand shops and trying to build that collection with games that I've um, you know, wanted to have before this thing arrived. And so it is a... Um, it's a Genesis. It's it's like a Genesis clone, right? It's not emulating the games. You're putting the games, the carts in the in the thing. It's running off an FGA. Uh, what is it? A field programmable. I have it here because I don't remember exactly what it. Field programmable gate array. It's funny. I uh, I know you're on vacation right now, but I imagine you brought it with you. Is that what you just turned up? <laughs> yeah, I got to look at it. Well, one, so I didn't do the, the NES or the super NT. I didn't do those from analog, even though I was very tempted by the SNES since I wasn't, you know, that wasn't my console of choice. I was my older brothers growing up. I don't have all those games. So I was like, uh-huh. so this is my first analog console to own and have at home. I was shocked with how small it is. I mean, it is, much smaller than I think the pictures make it look. Um, it feels great in the hand. The build quality is incredible. Um, I, I bought the 8-Bito wireless controller. They recommend that kind of you can get like a discount, I think, on like the 2.4 gigahertz one that's not Bluetooth. Um, and they say it's better for lag and this, that, and the other. And just absolutely blown away by this thing. It's the same guy, uh, Kev Trist, Kevin Horton, who did the... The, the FPGA for it, FP, whatever it is, field program of Gatorade. And so it, it is, it is a chip in this thing that is, it basically for layman's terms and for my idiot understanding of it, uh, runs a Genesis. I mean, it is as if it is running off of a old Genesis car, uh, circuit board with what is it? The Yamaha sound, like everything perfect. You're not, there's aren't emulation bugs or anything like that. But then also it's able to output through HDMI, hit 1080. Um, there's a whole bunch of options. If you are even just passively curious about this thing, one, it is, uh, you know, it, it's like a VR headset, right? <laughs> I think it's like 190 bucks. It is not cheap. You will not find it on the corner of CVS and be like, oh, I guess I will buy, hmm, I'll get some airheads and this, yeah. <laughs> you know, bespoke vintage right. console. We're thinking um, that uh, the Genesis Mini is going to be in the like fifty to eighty dollar range. I think they said it's eighty. Yeah. yeah, and the Genesis Mini, I would say for most of our listeners, is probably the way to go. It's, it looks like it's going to have at least ten incredible games and probably forty, and that's for that same eighty dollars. 
I've spent more than that on two Genesis carts. <laughs> right. So, you know, having the thing and playing the things is definitely the more expensive way to go. But the amount of options this thing has for scan lines, how you want to soften them, uh, what frame rate you want to hit, how you want to have it handle um, an HDTV being at 60 frames per second versus I believe CRTVs were like 59.95. So many options on this thing to have it tuned perfectly for your setup. And when I got it, I had my stack of Genesis games that I was most excited to play and be like, I'm going to test all these out and make sure they work, even though I read everywhere and said they all work. Um, But I still wanted to do it myself. And I put in TMNT Hyperstone Heist, which is like the Genesis version of Turtles in Time. And I was halfway through like the third or fourth level before I was like, oh, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be testing other games. <laughs> it was, I just, on a nostalgia trip, taken back in time, absolutely loving it. That's how I also know that Gunstar Heroes, still great. You are, uh, <laughs> you a lot are of- yourself a, a turtle in time in, in a lot of ways. I was, well, I was a Hyperstone Heister. Yeah, I mean, just to get it right game. Um, And then also the analog works with the Sega CD, both the stacking version and the sidecar version. Um, It connects and it works perfectly. I haven't tested that yet myself, but I've read a number of reviews about it, which I think is cool because I have my old Sega CD lying around still. It does not support the 32X because those, the way like they bundled their video in and out together, I think was odd but there's rumors that they might get the chip itself to do it. And then you'll just need an adapter um, to plug the carts in. Cause this thing also can play game gear games with a, an adapter for the cart and uh, master system games. And uh, I am, I am absolutely blown away by it. And I think if you are a super NES person, or I guess even an old school NES, I think the NT is the most expensive one they made the uh, Nintendo one. But I, I cannot recommend analog systems highly enough. I am absolutely blown away by the quality and just playing with all the options myself and, and getting back into this collection of games. It's awesome. I, yeah. I love it. I feel like over the last few years, you've gotten way more into retro games than you ever were. I think I've always been. I mean, I have a Retron 5 yeah. um, and I've kept my... We connected for GameCube games. I remember, I think, I don't know, probably four years ago, I started a Prince of Persia on Wii was a version of Prince of Persia I never played. And my, my catalog on, you know, my handhelds always had retro games on it. Like I've been playing the M2 version of Streets of Rage 2 on the new 3DS, I think is really great. So I've always dabbled in it. But I think for me, what really put me over the edge was when I got my Retron 5 and then started piecemealing some carts from my parents. And then when they just said, like, take them all, <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. Because it's just sitting there looking at all of them and, and wanting to get back and experience, you know, those memories, but also some of those great games. And I think that's also been helped by the number of incredible retro styled games that made me realize how much I love, you know, a game like Gunstar Heroes and, and playing something like Dead Cells or, um, the messenger or uh, shovel knight and some of these games celeste it's like oh I, I love this style of gameplay and the fact that i have so many of them still sitting around really made it easy to invest in the you know a 1080p pristine version of playing them again right well cool man glad you're digging it um i have been playing on my playlist um we talked a little about a, bit, a little bit about uh, Operencia, the Stolen Sun, last week because Chris was on. Uh, maybe I'll save that for next week because I'm 
I'm still working my way through it. I'm really, really enjoying that game a lot, but I'll talk more about it next week. Uh, I also am able to tell you now about my time playing Conan Unconquered, which is the new Conan uh, Conan the Barbarian RTS that's coming out May 30th from Funcom. I played it at GDC, and it was under embargo, so I wasn't able to talk about it until now, but... Um, you know, RTSs, I think, are, are have become a rare thing, and it's a genre that I have traditionally very much enjoyed. And so I was excited to see what they were going to do, what knew they were going to bring to the RTS. Uh, Conan feels like such a solo fiction, right? You're talking about one guy who's stronger than all the other guys. It's an interesting thing to make a game about armies, but it kind of works. I mean, it's... um. It's giant armies you can play with hero characters. Uh, there were two available, Conan, and there was a female. I can't remember her name. Uh, I don't think it was Red Sonia. I think it was some other. I don't know the Conan fiction well. It was never one of my things. But um, they are hero characters that are very, very powerful. And the interesting thing about Conan Unconquered is that as a RTS, a real-time strategy game, that you can play in co-op. And... Uh, you know, you've been able to play StarCraft in co-op to a certain extent where you're both, you know, on a on a screen working against an enemy. But this is different in the sense that you are really in co-op uh, working together with shared resources, building on the same uh, the same towns, the same, um, you know, settlements that you're building up with buildings and able to sort of share those things with each other, build, you know, what I played was uh, a series of um, randomly generated maps where you have waves of enemies coming at you and each of you must harvest resources and uh, explore the map. You have fog of war on the map. You've got to explore the map to find certain resources and find things around the area. Uh, and meanwhile, fending off waves of attackers. So you've got to build up your structures. You've got to create defenses. You've got to build armies, create barracks to, you know, have more troops and all that stuff that you do in real-time strategy games, but you're doing it together. And so you can sort of divvy things up. You get a preview of where the enemies are coming from for the next wave. So it'll say, okay, we got when enemies coming from the East and South. Uh, I'll handle the South ones. You handle the East ones or something along those lines, or I'll handle the scouting about of the territories. You handle building up our defenses, you know, at the, at, at our home base. And it's really interesting to play a game like that, a game, a game type, a genre that really is about dividing your brain and is about being able to multitask and do a lot of very detailed things all around the map very quickly. It's interesting to be able to offload a portion of that stuff to another human being who is also has your best interests at heart. And I found that to be really compelling. The, the play session I played at GDC was with another human being playing in co-op. Uh, and we didn't know each other at all before we started, but it was really fun, you know, sharing responsibilities. And we were playing, you know, in the same room where we could talk back and forth about things. But also the game itself, it's very simple to start of start doing something. And it becomes very clear that your co-op partner should be doing something different. Um, you know, you, you start building up things in one side of the map and they can start doing something on another side of the map. So I, I imagine that even playing with random people online might be interesting because I played with a random human being. Uh, and the, the challenge is, is, was there. Um, we 
survived several waves, but then sort of overextended during, I think, our fourth wave and got obliterated because we, uh, our heroes went down too early. It, it was fun. It was really fun. And it's bloody, as you might expect from a Conan game and um, brutal. And there's, there's cool fiction with uh, the kinds of things you get to build. You know, it's very much like at one point we could um, call in a giant that literally would just stomp around the battlefield and squish armies of, of the undead that were uh, cascading down on our home base. Uh, so it's, 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 I think it's pretty fun. If you're into RTS games, uh, it's solid and the co-op element makes it really uh, different and interesting kind of experience. As I said, the, the levels are all randomly generated. So you're never playing the same exact scenario twice. And uh, because of that, you can also create a system. They have a system in it where you can create a, um, a little code where you can post your score and rank of the level you played and post a code so that someone else can try to beat your code and get the exact same level you got. So it, it spits out a little uh, designation of exactly the setup you were in so that somebody can play the exact level, even though every level is procedurally generated and random. So I thought that was clever as well. Um, lots to like about Conan Unconquered, which is coming out very soon, May 30th. I liked it. All right, we do have a, a listener who wanted to review a game quickly. And you can always send in uh, if you think there's a game we didn't give enough time to or a game we're ignoring completely, something you're playing and you're enjoying, you want to send in a re- Email Anthony and yeah, we'll have Anthony him on to tell us. I'll be here to talk about it. <laughs> now, you can always email dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, that is what Chris... Oh, I'm going to get this bad. Uh, hey, Thornthwaite? Hey, Thornthwaite? Chris... Chris H. sent it to us. Uh, <laughs> he said, after listening to the show this week, I thought I would send a review of a fairly new game for the Switch called Hard West. This is a turn-based squad tactical shooter a la XCOM or Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. It is set in the Wild West with supernatural elements. The game has a good campaign and some interesting new mechanics, such as blending into a town or holding guards up to delay an alarm. The main downside I have with it is, unlike its predecessors, you cannot rotate the arena, meaning at times it can be a little difficult to see what's happening, especially if the action is on multiple floors of a building. However, I think the pros far outweigh the cons, and if you like these types of games, I would definitely give it a try. Hard West on the Switch. I actually talked about Hard West way back when it was released on PC. I played a fair amount of it and uh, really enjoyed it on PC, and I'm glad it has also reappeared on Switch. So thanks, Chris, for sending that in. Hard West on Switch. All right, guys. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have our parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Anthony Taormina, you, as always, sir, are the best. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. Um, also, hold on. Breaking news. My phone just buzzed. It seems Half-Life 3 was announced for the... No, I'm just kidding. April I Fool's! Just, I, I, I just wanted to be that guy. <laughs> all right. So, uh, Anthony, as I said, thank you for being here. Where can people keep yes, up yeah. with you and all of your April Fool's jokes? Uh, you can, uh, read content that I write and that I edit and that I help and just help support me by visiting gamerant.com where video game website cover pretty much, uh, any game you could think of, but a lot of games in detail. If you're a destiny fan, division fan, borderlands fan, 
we cover those in, in a lot of detail. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter. Uh, it's at Aunt Tormina, which is spelled A-N-T-A-O-R-M-I-N-A. Awesome. Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? Uh, Twitter's the best way. I would want to say uh, uh, thanks to listeners that came out to shows and said hi this past weekend. It was cool. It's always fun. If you're at a show, please do say hi. It uh, makes me smile. It makes me happy. And hopefully uh, it's, you know makes you happy as well. I don't want you to do it if you're like, oh, that sucked. Uh, <laughs> but it was, always, it was a treat. So thank you to those folks that came out and said hi this past weekend. Um, Baker said that at PAX East, he got several people coming up to him and uh, doing the yeah. code word. The code word uh, fallout high school i can't remember what is it called. what is it called uh, it's called kingwood high school come on uh yeah so yeah if you're ever there uh if you see jeff don't say hi jeff is very mean in person but you know great great guy on a podcast if you see him in person definitely don't ask for a picture he will uh slap you so um I do not allow it yeah yeah like, yeah for a hundred bucks <laughs> um no please do say hi though it's always nice so thank you to those that did and then uh, I don't know when I'm out of town again next, uh, but Twitter's the easiest way at Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R. And then these past two weeks haven't because of reasons, but I typically stream this show live on my Twitch every Sunday. Uh, the time might be changing, though, because I hear Game of Thrones is important. <laughs> but my Twitch is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. We're uh, likely changing our recording time to be able to watch Game of Thrones final season live uh, because I want to do that. <laughs> so. So we'll we'll tweet it out when when we know the new time. It will not change the RSS release. Don't worry if you're getting it on iTunes or whatever. It's still coming out Mondays, but the live recording might uh, might change for Jeff's Game of Thrones prediction. It's true. You can't blame me. I got priorities. Uh, You can always follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Um, You can also email the show, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Anything you would like to relate to us. I got a lot of really cool free feedback and corrections about uh, Google Stadia. Uh, some people uh, siding with Christian a lot about um, some things, uh, some skepticism about the amount of data it's going to require. Uh, remains to be seen. We'll be re- returning to that subject, I'm sure, very soon. So I appreciate all of your feedback about that. I feel uh, I got a lot to chew on there. And uh, we always get, you know, anything, any questions, quick questions, Long questions, anything you want to send us, we appreciate. Uh, Also, I have another podcast for you to listen to. It's all about TV and film. It's called the Slash Filmcast. You can find it wherever you get podcasts or by visiting slashfilmcast.com. I think this week is actually going to be an interesting episode. We're going to do it's the 20th anniversary, which I can't believe I'm saying. It's the 20th anniversary of The Matrix. So we're going to do a Matrix rewatch and talk about that movie and see how well it holds up 20 years later. Uh, it should be fun. So check that out. Um, all right. Let's uh, wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Anthony Taramina, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I do. Uh, I'm going to recommend the FX TV show, What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, love it the is- movie. It is, yes, it is uh, a TV show adaptation of the movie that was uh, written and directed by Jermaine Clement of uh, uh, Flight of the Concords and yeah. Taika Waititi, who most people know as the Thor Ragnarok director now. Um, it's basically a documentary or a mockumentary 
but a, a documentary crew is following around vampires and they're very dry and they're very, you know, kind of like uh, matter of fact, it's the movie is great. You should watch the movie. And then so far, the first episode seems to carry the same tone, less, uh, less of the like New Zealand flair that, <laughs> that Jermaine and Taika had, but it's still very funny and I highly recommend it. Oh man. I haven't seen the first episode yet, but I am so excited because that movie is straight up hilarious. It is, it is so great. funny. It is um, great. So excited. Uh, Christian Spicer, how about you? Parting gift. Yeah, another music recommendation. This is a band. They're all teenagers, which makes me just sick to my stomach. Oh, my God. They're so – the youth. Um, Lily, L-I-I-L-Y. Their first EP came out fairly recently. Even this week, last week, two weeks ago. Um, it's called I Can Fool Anybody in This Town. To me, it has like a little bit of like Arctic Monkeys sound to it, um, maybe with like a little bit, not the surf part, but like the raw energy of something like Plague Vendor I've talked before, talked about before. Um, they're SoCal band. I think they're all, I think the oldest one in the band is 19. But Lily, L-I-I-L-Y, if they're not already huge by the time you're listening to this, I, I cannot see them being anything less than just huge this this debut ep is absolutely phenomenal it starts with the song called toro and i believe ends with the song sold and the way those two songs bookend this i think it's a six or seven song ep just absolutely incredible i can't recommend it enough check it out check it out check it out very cool uh we have a listener suggested parting gift this comes to us uh at dlcfeedback at gmail.com it comes from john from colorado springs who says, I would just like to shine a spotlight on the Instagram profile, Humans of New York, specifically their recent series on the Special Olympics. Although short, these are truly hugely inspiring stories from the families, coaches, and Olympians themselves. At a time where the Special Olympics has been in the news, I think that it's much more important to understand the meaning these games have to people across the entire world. Athlete or not, fantastic series. Love the show. Tune in every week. Thanks, John. I totally agree. It's been sad hearing uh, that uh, there is at least a suggestion that the Special Olympics would not be funded um, with the president's uh, current budget proposal. I uh, hope that doesn't happen. And yeah, that's a, it's a beautiful thing. It's something to definitely highlight. So thank you for sending that in. My parting gift is a show I'm sure I have brought up before, but I'm catching up on it again because I let the whole third season pass without watching any of it somehow. Uh, And it's called Crashing. It's Pete Holmes' HBO show. And I've often said that uh, wholesome is the new punk rock. You know, it's, it's, everything is ironic. Everything is cynical. Everything is, uh, you know, too cool for school. And in in an environment like that, uh, wholesome and earnest and, uh, wearing your heart on your sleeve feels like the most punk rock thing. And man, crashing is that it's, it just feels like a, a show that leads with its heart. It seems like Pete Holmes is a fella that leads with his heart, uh, a good guy. And it, man, what a great show. I'm catching up on it again. And I'm highly recommend if you haven't watched it, uh, watch it. A lot of really fun guest stars uh, that always pop up. And um, if you like stand up comedy, it's a, even a more of a bonus, but a great show either way. Check out crashing on HBO.
it's easy to don't feel overwhelmed because I believe that is its final season as well. So it's not as if you're jumping into the middle of like 10, like watch all of Lost. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a very easy show to recommend that you will. It's get also, through. yeah, start from the beginning. It's, it's well worth watching the first season from the start. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Anthony Tarmina and Christian Spice for hanging out with me. Thanks to the, to the musical contributors that make our show so special with their fun bumpers, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star. Uh, thanks to all of you who listen to the show, who download the show. We appreciate you. We will be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.